This podcast is brought to you by the Baton Rouge Area Foundation, your community foundation, which is focused on one simple goal, to help philanthropists pursue their causes for bettering the lives of people in Louisiana. Welcome to another episode of The Pod. I'm your host, Chris Meyer, and today we're excited to welcome in Dustin LaFont, the Executive Director of Front Yard Bikes, and Anna West, the Executive Director of Humanities Amped, to talk to us about their unique collaboration called Youth City Lab. Imagine a space in the heart of Baton Rouge designed by young people for young people in our city. It's a space of connection, learning, and innovation, and the supporters are here to talk with us about the vision and how you can help get involved to make it a reality. Keep listening to learn more about this collaboration. Dustin, Anna, welcome to the pod. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So I'm so excited to dive into this unique vision of, of U City Lab. But before I do, I'd love for each of you to tell us a little bit about yourselves and the organizations you individually lead. So Anna, let's start with you. Great. Um, my name is Anna West, and I'm the executive director of Humanities Amped. I'm a Baton Rouge native, and I was really in many ways raised by this community, youth workers in this community. I grew up a child of the Big Buddy program. My parents were involved in the work that happened there, and I went off and got a degree in creative writing and really got interested in, in the way that the humanities can be used to uplift the human spirit and always have been really interested in education and how we do that work in schools. So Humanities Amped is an organization that started initially as a dissertation research project <laughs> and has just grown and grown in partnership with East Baton Rouge Parish School System. We work now at Broadmoor High School, the school where we're in residence, and what we do is we create a space for young people inside of classrooms and outside of classrooms to aspire and to imagine the kind of selves that they want to become and the kind of world that they want to create. And then we set them up in project-based learning atmosphere to do that work in concert with one another and with adults in the community. And then we also get to work with all these great other youth organizations in the community to think about how we can set young people up to be civic leaders in Baton Rouge. Well, that's amazing. I think, uh, Dustin, for you know you and your organization, you know we see the evidence of a lot of your kids uh, throughout the community riding up and down the streets, working on bikes. Tell us a little bit about the passion and, and program you help create here in the city. Absolutely. You know, we just uh, started on a yard where one child uh, had a broken bicycle and you know, being a, a you know native of home in Louisiana and a, and a good old Cajun, you always got your tools and your broken parts <laughs> laying around just just in case. So I said, uh, sure, you know, I'll, I'll let you uh, use my tools. I'll teach you how, and I'll get you some parts. And uh, but you need to do it yourself, so you have your own abilities and, and things in mind for what you can do with your future and yourself. Because I won't be there for every single thing that ever breaks in your life. Um, that was probably supposed to be in my mind like a one-time deal. <laughs> Uh, that has spiraled into thousands and thousands and thousands of broken bikes and many yards and warehouses and buildings throughout the city and, and uh, most importantly, amazingly talented young people learning, growing, and building. And just getting to be a part of that story, I would have never told you it was the plan. It was uh, just the reaction to a beautiful spirit and I think, uh, you know, destined a point for me to be where I need to be and live by that faith of, you know, help your neighbor, be there for them. And uh, they have 
turned it in, I guess, tenfold <laughs> in the city, as you can see every day. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and you all are, are really unique because it's it's not often that you find that nonprofit organizations, you know, take the, the, the pause to come together and, and begin to collaborate. What was the initial kind of introduction of you all, and, and how did you initially decide to link up and, and form something bigger than yourselves? Well, we've known each other in the community for years. The four organizations that are part of Youth City Lab are the Big Buddy Program, Line for Line, Front Yard Bikes, and Humanities Amped. And I think one thing that we all share with one another, as well as with other youth organizations, is just a deep belief in the power of the of young people as an untapped resource in our community that we could be doing a lot more to cultivate their power. And so we would be running into each other at meetings and coffee shops and really talking about the common struggles that we were having, the ways in which we were struggling to find resources, to meet our mission, to coordinate space, transportation, all those kinds of things. And in some cases, even to problem solve around issues that were coming up for young people who we bu- who we worked with across our organizations. Um, you want to, we can talk a oh, little yeah, bit that's, about Oh yeah, that's where <laughs> I tap in because I'm, I, I see a lot of wonderful ideas in the city and I, yeah. I love a lot of these great concepts, but you're not motivated to move until you see your students moving first. In some ways, when you're like, wait, what are they doing going to this thing? What are they talking about? Mm-hmm. There's a person named Dr. West and Humanities Amped at McKinley High and Broadmoor High. Or I'm doing the summer job at Big Buddy. Or I got my hair cut at Line for Line this weekend. I just had to read some books. And you're like, what's happening over there? You're going. It tells me that you're really interested because we all know how kids vote. They do that with their feet. They That's tell right. you, I-, I want this because I'm here. And why aren't we making it easier for you to get access to all of us? And you're traveling this whole city, navigating it almost independently sometimes of the adults and saying, well, if this is a resource that they all want and we're sharing the students anyway, can't we just get together and make that easier? And thus, Youth City Lab, the idea is born. Talk to us about the, the physical place of that. What what was the vision for, for sort of creating one central space? And, and, and frankly, how did you all work through what I'm sure some challenges and who's going to be on first, who's going to be on second? So talk to us a little bit about how it came together. All right. Well, we... First, we decided that one of the things that was coming up for us is that space, 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 location yeah. was important. We were all finding that we were needing to move programs around from school to school or from Breck Center to Breck Center, different, um, you know, kind of windows of opportunity would open and close. And we we're spending a lot of our collective energy just figuring out where to be settled. And so we had a vision together of what would it look like if we had a collective space, a space that is just for young people, uh, a city for youth in many ways, a laboratory for youth to explore their leadership and what would it look like if we put that really at, in the heart of mid-city so some place where Dustin's um, youth could ride their bikes from South Baton Rouge a place where the students from Broadmoor could get to easily a space where young people whether they're in North Baton Rouge or South Baton Rouge could really access that space so that was a big part of it was important to us that it be in a part of the city that's really visible to Baton Rouge and so we um, well Dustin really began to found the location initially if you want to talk a little bit about Sark Yes, for years I've I'm just always was searching for a home base, mm-hmm. and that was from very from day one. Um, getting off the front yard of our house and and people asking you, you know, well, how are you going to operate this? And the first opportunity being an abandoned warehouse that nobody really cares for, and you're on a month to month lease. You say, well, this isn't sustainable. That's right. Yeah, you know, this isn't enough. Uh, Thankfully, Breck made an awesome partnership with us at Terrace Street Park, but we quickly outgrew it almost immediately, it felt like, and uh, and didn't have really the, the capacity to um, transform that facility. So we're always wondering, you know, what would happen if we had a long-term home that all of our students can buy into and had way more services than just us that are done at a really high level. 
uh, that we don't have to be the ones doing all the time. Um, so of course it was the idea to, um, get a space that had enough size and, um, there's very few options for that, and I won't list all the things and all the people I sat down with um, pleading my case uh, over the years, and I promise you it wasn't like, oh, just one – last year Dustin just did it. No way. It was digging and calling and meetings and pleading and walking properties and always saying, I can't offer what you're asking, but I'm telling you it's going to help the city if yep. you invest in this way. And finally getting that opportunity, thank th thanks to uh, Devin Broom, who just said, you know what? I bought this. I don't really see my vision coming through the way I want it to. You, me and you have been friends for years. He's an avid cyclist and just said, you know, how, how about we make this work and let's come to an agreement where he's, you know, way under asking price and, you know, willing to go the extra mile to make, make that difference. And so it took a little convincing of my team then to say, look, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of places in Baton Rouge you can plant yourself. Um, but my great hope was it would be on a bike path that one had a lot of schools in the area. If you consider how many schools are in government, or how many schools are just right next to government right. street. And when the bell hits two 30, three 30, four o'clock, where are they going? I love the bars and restaurants in, in, in Baton Rouge and mid city. I live in mid city. I love the great new venues and things that are happening. Where are youth going? I mean, you just start to name places. We know we have the why it's fantastic. Is it enough for the thousands of kids at three 30 to be accommodated? It's, it's not. And we're not really investing our dollars enough to make sure that they're in spaces that they're going to be enriched and empowered and see themselves successful in Baton Rouge. So we said, let's plant our foot here first. And that won't be the end of it. Of course, uh, you know me. I'm, I'm talking podcast ahead. You have to call me back in a few years again <laughs> oh, to right. say we're, we're location three, four, and five. But that's anyway, right. but for right. this specific one, it's the place where we're going to make this model really develop it and hopefully be a major impact in a city that you know has worthwhile kids. And the building, I think it's worth saying that the building is just beautiful. It's an old church. It's a space that many people have driven by over the years, and it's caught their imagination. Is what's happening with that beautiful old church that was then Sarkey's Rug Store for many years. And um, so we think it's a space that really captures the value of young people in our in our city. Because what we're going to do is we're we're you know we're fundraising so that we can renovate that space totally, so that it has everything. So it's a state of the art youth center that really communicates. The both the that we're in a setting that is historically beautiful, and also is going to be renovated, you know, to the yeah the so top. Let, let, let's talk about the the layout of this. Uh, so you are you've kicked off a capital campaign. Two million dollars is the goal, and you're already over twenty five percent to your goal, as I understand it. And, and I think that's incredible. Uh, and really, that was done in a sort of quiet phase. And so now we're on this and other platforms beginning to promote uh, this new vision. But but talk to us about the capital campaign and, and what physically will be done in that space and, and, and how are the youth involved in making those those kind of decisions about the space? Yeah, well, I'll start by talking about how the youth are involved with making decisions in the space and then you can perhaps talk about the capital campaign. So we, right from the beginning, we knew that we were going to need to work really hard at becoming a coalition that could make decisions together mm -hmm. and really work together. So this is not the kind of thing where we said, well, we're four separate organizations and let's just jump into this but not have a process. So we've been working really for years, long before before the building was purchased, we've been working to develop an agreement between the four organizations so that we have really solid decision-making processes in place. And it immediately, we're youth organizations who believe in the power of young people's leadership and voice. So we immediately said, we need young people at the table making decisions with us. So what we did was we developed a youth council. Mm -hmm. Each organization sent several young, nominated several young people to be on this youth council. So now we have a youth council that is made up of representatives from all four of the organizations. When we make decisions together, the way that we do that is we use a voting process that 
includes a youth vote. So in other words, major decisions about what we're doing cannot move forward without one vote from each of the organizations. So we all, each organization has a vote and the youth council has a vote. So there's five votes essentially that move anything forward. So we meet once a month as a collective body with the youth council and the adult organizers to ratify any major decisions. We work together with the architects to make, you know, budgeting, the whole thing. And so what's happening is that young people are also learning a lot of skills about how to sit at those kinds of tables, how to shape agendas, how to build a culture. And they are really on the forefront of building out the culture that's going to exist for young people once we're really able to fully inhabit the building. So all of that work is underway. And the capital campaign. Yes, we're going to renovate the facility to be multi-purpose. You know, we're, we're going to have, obviously, the mechanic lab, which is our retail storefront mm-hmm. as well, that's generating um, the revenue to take care of the facility while it's in construction. Um, but we also have a teaching kitchen where we're going to be taking food from community gardens and cooking it with students. We're going to be using a barbershop for line for line where they can train young people to be barbers, but also do the haircuts for kids who uh, read books and right. gain literacy skills. We're going to have spoken word uh, with Fresh Heat with Humanities Amped and be able to have our stage and our nice theater seating and our big open classrooms and computer labs and am I going too fast there's gonna be there's gonna be a recording <laughs> studio for you Chris you don't you'll be able to come to our recording studio in the building oh we're gonna be on the students podcast you're gonna be on <laughs> the right. students podcast obviously you're coming to train them but you know it's gonna be fantastic uh, the variety of things that are gonna be accessible and um, obviously for Front Era Bikes, we've been able to sustain ourselves, you know, thankfully to this bike shop and thankfully to uh, the interest in cycling that has developed in Baton Rouge. But we want to diversify as much as possible so that our kids have different opportunities and experiences that lead them to careers and also to uh, be empowered and see themselves, most importantly, successful in Baton Rouge. And it's not the you know, narrative of, oh, for that kid to be successful, they got to move out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're tired of hearing that. Yeah. We're like, no, let's make the community society uh, around with our young people so they can buy in and say, oh, man, I have so much opportunity in Baton Rouge. How could I leave? There's nothing like this in this city. And I think it's so incredible that four organizations coming together in a way that that really puts the student first uh, instead of, you know, adult interest. And, and that's something that I've been passionate about my whole life. I wonder there's there's probably a thing or two these students can teach uh some other bodies we know about that that can't seem to get along or make a decision. You know, let's talk just for a minute about the sort of experiences that that our youth are having in the city. I mean, again, you you guys across your organizations are working hand in, you know, day to day with them. It, COVID has happened. We've gone through incredible kind of unrest, social upheaval, and, and awakening in many ways that is both inspiring, but I imagine very very scary for for students. How are our students doing in the city? How what what's sort of their mindset? That at least those that you're coming across, what, what's their hope and aspiration for the future? Well, I think that we're dealing with a situation, particularly coming out of COVID, where young people don't have forums to socialize with one another and I don't mean just open-ended socialization but in a supportive environment where there's some counseling and there's some support in an asset-based way and so what's exciting about all of our programs is that we're all really focused on asset-based forms of youth development in other words we're not starting with a deficit understanding of young people Mm -hmm. we're looking at them as young as people with gifts with aspirations with things that they can contribute and so young people need opportunities to discover those things to explore multiple possibilities in ways that are also surrounded by protective relationships. So relationships at multiple levels, relationships with adults who care about them, and also an environment that's going to foster really healthy, positive relationships with one another. 
the being at home on computers during uh, during the pandemic was not a good thing for that for that healthy development and so young people really need the facilitation of those kinds of spaces and the you know there's a I would, you know, we know now in our country that there's a youth mental health crisis taking place. And, you know, we really believe that that's connected to healthy outlets and opportunities for young people just to exercise their their human voices together and to have a sense of power, too. We're thinking of Youth City Lab as a place for young people to practice having power, to being able to make decisions together about what's happening in the space, to be able to set agendas with one another. That's important if we're going to live in a democratic country for young people to be able to practice that and we know that that those kinds of opportunities are also connected to well-being you know so that well-being is is part of um, a social model of health you know so that young people get a chance to be in those healthy happy relationships you know what I'll add is you know a lot of what our students understood uh, from parents and grandparents and, and values kind of got flipped on its head in many instances because uh, Doing your part, going to school, you know, going to the things you're supposed to do kind of just all of a sudden disappeared in a two-year time gap. Or trusting information That's right. from everybody that we knew it was going to happen, how it was going to relay. Never mind. Never mind. It changed. Never mind. It's canceled. Never mind. It's moved back. Never mind. Everything's over again, and let's restart. And being in these specific institutions of athletics or, or mentorship or clubs and all these things face-to-face, or music, all these things disappear. And those are the spaces a lot of our kids figure out who they are. And it's gone and, and it dissipated and that's your community and it's not there and you're solely relying on uh, the social media spheres which is giving you disinformation constantly our students are in a sense very apathetic and don't believe in some of the things any as much as like prove it to me so we can't just make a structure and not have them a vital piece of the building and advocacy of it because there's no buy-in and you must have the youth buy in to really believe in these systems and processes. And really, we need our youth to be involved to change the narrative because, unfortunately, a lot of our adult populations see them as a liability to be solved and not the other way around, as not the liability but maybe the solution to our community and society. So, uh, you know, that, that feels like the state of it to me, and that's my major advocacy is uh, will you believe in the young people enough to give them a shot to prove that, they really can do it. Would you just invest the resources just enough to really showcase that they can make it happen? And uh, I think if people are willing to do that, um, they'll, see, they'll see the proof that our society is really going to be uh, amazing. But we got to put our money where our mouth is and our time and energy where it is. That's right. I think it's worth adding, too, that we want to be a concrete model of possibility for other youth organizations, schools, and you know, just our community at large. We want... Youth City Lab to be a place where people can come and see what is possible for young people, approaches to youth work, to be a space of innovation for that, a space of learning. We think we have a long way to go in the youth development field here in Baton Rouge, that there's a lot of ways that we can learn to better serve youth populations. And those all begin with listening to young people. And so we're hoping to create a space that really models what's possible when we do that. I would love if, if each of you could share from your own kind of experiences of, of working with youth where some of these success stories that maybe awakened in adults' eyes of what really is possible that, that began to kind of change maybe some mindsets where adults or, or leaders that, that wouldn't want to necessarily put students' voice forward and, and listen and trust them. What, what have been maybe some success stories in your individual organizations that really inspired you to keep keep going? Yeah, I mean, I, I would happily love to reference – well, I didn't get his permission, so I better not. 
I better not reference names, but I will say, you know, we had a student that we shared at McKinley High School who graduated in 2020, and this young man was an after-school intern, you know, paid to work for us after school, but slowly but surely matured into being a, a real role model, you know, a real role model for the other students and really a guiding voice for the other students. And I won't go into, you know, too much detail, but you should be informed that for a period of time, both his parents were taken from where they he was left to lead the household and had uh, three other siblings, um, younger, two older, and nobody capable of uh, being there. And, and while, you know, this hiatus where his parents were just gone and unable to help in any capacity, he had to become an adult and manage a lot of financial challenges, manage so many issues and struggles. And if you took his case study and put it in front of any adult in Baton Rouge, they said, case closed, no shot. Won't make it, yeah. No chance. Um, Community leaders such as ourselves and others got involved. Um, we connected. We found the gaps that uh, aren't listed in our program models and aren't listed in things that we're supposed to be doing on a daily basis. And we'll never make it to my data report. That's right. But it's a thing that was necessary that we saw for that period of time. And uh, throughout that, we were able to uh, then be nominated uh, for an award that um, he then flies out to receive in Chicago shortly after his parents, you know, show up and immediately get back involved in his life. And uh, he graduates high school. He goes on to become an AmeriCorps member. He gets scholarship money. Now he's in college and getting, and he's on salary part-time. And it's just like, what if we yeah. just said, never mind, too late, too far gone, too far of a challenge, and surrendered? We wouldn't have this guy who said, I was at a terrible place, and I went all the way to this amazing experience, and I'm not done. And and that kind of voice that he is to kids around him right now within our organization, uh, it's 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 worth the weight in gold. You just don't get that without going through those trials. Um, and Anna, I know has no. so. I'm sorry. You're gonna you're gonna make me walk out and just you know want to go back to work right now. Uh, but you know, give us five more minutes. Yeah, I know. I'm just you you, rev, you got you got me energized for sure. And I know that is uh, you know that really is what yeah. his story's impact is. And that's happening without anybody even knowing it's happening. Right. You know. And I think I think the for me, and I'll speak very personally. You know, hope is hope is hard <laughs> to have. Sometimes you look at the odds that, and the way the odds are stacked against many young people in our community, and and it can be easy to succumb to a sense of hopelessness of like this cannot change. I think adults and particularly adults who are doing frontline youth work teachers, um, you know, we begin to feel that there is no way to transform this. What I've been able to experience over and over again, and I think the, the folks that, that work alongside us doing the work that we do, is we're putting youth voices at the center, giving young people an opportunity to talk about their world and, and, and filling the space with a sense of belonging and connection so that we can begin to aspire. And I'm saying that, you know, I, I think back to a, the first year of, of Humanities Amped, we were working in a classroom and we had begun a conversation there about... Um, about racial injustices, and a young woman said, well, you know, that's the way it's always been, and that's the way it's always going to be. And that feeling that, like, there is nothing that can change this. And so that right there, that moment of um, despair, of tapping into, like, but is that really true? And what if we do something small together? What if we begin to just practice changing something in the world and young people experiencing themselves as change agents? And to see how rapidly their sense of, like, I am someone whose voice matters in the world and I can do something, that's the, the, the seven loaves, you know, that, that multiplies. Sure. 
sense. It's, it's very generative, and it comes back to us in many ways when young people feel a sense of power. And so I wouldn't want to live in a world where I didn't see that happening, that magic happening all the time. And I know a lot of adults in, in our community who, who hang out with, the, with youth organizations, this is why we're in it, right? It's because we get a sense of hopefulness and a sense that our future is going to be okay. What is the, for folks listening in that um, maybe aren't on the front lines working with youth every day, but maybe have that same sense of what, what can I do as an individual? How, how can I help move the needle for the young people in our community? What, what would you all say? How can they make a small step towards uh, empowering more youth and preparing our future so our greatness that already exists here in Baton Rouge can be shown? Best advice I can give the adults. Listen a little bit longer than you want to. That's all it takes. You hear them say an answer and you'll just say, oh, that's nice. Just go a little, listen just a little bit longer and they will tell you, they will tell you exactly how they want you to see them, hear them, and, and, and really shepherd them and cultivate them and grow them. If you just give them one more, tell me more about that. Let me, really, tell me, what, now how'd that make you feel? Just tell me. And I promise you, every parent, every coach, every mentor, every friend of a child, of a young person will find out, wow, they're either really doing well and I need to be there for them or they're not and I need to be there for them even amen to that tell me more that's that's a very powerful tool and then helping them to be there for one another too in positive and healthy ways but believing them when they talk about what they're experiencing really beginning with belief and I think obviously supporting the work of organizations that like you know the four organizations here and the work of Youth City Lab you know we are um, trying to build a space of possibility and so supporting our work by telling your friends about us going to our website donating obviously there you go I was gonna say it if you work <laughs> get <laughs> yes, involved indeed. in this capital campaign yeah, invest. And I say, look, man, you know, I, we talk to our kids. We're not here for charity. We're here for sponsorship because you're worthwhile. Our athletes are getting it. It's an investment. It's you exactly know, we, right. we got to invest. We got to invest and prove it to our kids that the work they're doing really matters. All right. So when we raise um, more money than we need for this campaign, when's the facility going to open and what, what comes next? Because you alluded to it, Dustin. What? In 2023, I'm opening doors to something. You bet you'll be there. And uh, hopefully we got everything we need and we're rolling. Um, if not, you'll see us in the middle of it. But beyond that, we can't stop in Mid-City Baton Rouge. You know, I know that's where our, our foot was planted. You know, I can't go back in time and start somewhere else in South Baton Rouge, just where I was for the moment where I, you know, met the first kid. And, you know, God willing, that's where I was supposed to be. But Baton Rouge is an amazing city with a lot of kids all over. We need to do more and go beyond uh, just the small borders of this town. And uh, hopefully we can. We hope that there's going to be... 25, 30, 40, 50 Youth City Labs all around the city. So we really want to be a model of what is possible when we invest in young people. And um, we hope that people will invest in this solution with us. So where can folks go to learn more about the, the collaborative project? UCLab.org. That's perfect. That's perfect. You all are incredibly inspiring. And I'm just so grateful that, that you've decided to lend your time and voice to opening the opportunity for more of our young people to display the greatness they have. Uh, I hope folks listening in will get involved at youthcitylab.org. Dustin, Anna, thank you so much for coming in with this episode of the podcast. Uh, for folks uh, that want to learn more, uh, please, again, go to youthcitylab.org to learn how you can help change the lives of young people in our community. As always, I'm your host, Chris Meyer. Our mission is to elevate the stories, people, and ideas making Baton Rouge a better place. Until next time. To learn more about the Baton Rougeri Foundation, please visit our website at braf.org and become a member today.